You're listening to the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT podcast. I'm your host and curator, Rabbi Aprom Kipolevich, and I hope you enjoy this episode. Forty years ago, this is Emeritus Rex with Rabbi Ruven Yoshua Pupko of Beth Israel Beth Aaron in Cote St. Luke, suburb of Montreal, Canada. Boy, you know, this is a, a big chesed I know you're doing for me, Rabbi, because this is... One second, I want to stop you there. Big chesed doesn't begin to describe what it is. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it is a ginormous chesed, let us say. In fact, it's, it's more than chesed. It's, it's, it's ginormous hashba elokus that you're giving me. Is that I would okay? say it's... I, I'm like the Michael Jordan of chesed. Yeah, you've used that metaphor a lot. I think. Yes. I guess. I guess you dream that in your dreams you're flying a lot. I would. Yes. <laughs> um, the chesed, I guess, is that hey, I'm about to get into busy season. Uh, the rabbis Yom Neroyim around the corner. Slichus, of course, this Saturday night. Um, do you remember? Uh, you know, you, I know that you're very busy, and thanks for giving us your time. You know, Rabbi. Um, you must remember. I, I remember at my show, and I'm sure you had it in, in your father's show in Pittsburgh as well. That Slichas wasn't just okay. We have to wait for Chatzos. There was a whole program, uh, a Saturday night program, right? Um, and I oh, Slichas, yeah, absolutely. We used to do. I I did it here in Montreal, but I, nobody does it anymore. I don't think a pre Slichas program, right? But right, so you'd have Slichas around uh, midnight. Let's say some shows did it earlier, or whatever. Once we're Moshe, you have a heter if you're living in a, in a war zone. You're allowed to dive in early, so. Every community in America became a war zone, and uh, and everyone started doing sleeps a little early, and then they had these pre-sleekos programs. Right, but 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 they aren't they weren't Musser programs by Not any stretch all. of they imagination. They nothing to do with do with God or Torah. <laughs> they had to do with a symposium. I remember the word being symposium being used a lot. I I see. Discussion. I know there was a lot of food, and I, yes, I, there I, was there was a program food then sleekos. And there was a, it was a social event. The men and women would get dressed up. Um, I know that there's a famous story. I don't remember this from Memphis, but I know Rabbi Victor Miller, when he first uh, became a Rov, uh, and he, he discovered there was a pre-Slichos dance. Oh, really? Yes, a pre-Slichos dance. So I guess it was men dancing. We should reinstitute that. Yeah, dancing with that their own That sounds like a fine idea. Yeah. Right. So a waltz. Rabbi, we should do a pre-Slichos waltz. Yes, yes, or or maybe the Batusi that would be good, right? Or the Charleston, uh, okay, or the Kazatska, Charleston, the Kazatska ballroom dancing, right? The ballroom, right. yeah, should be ballroom. Yeah, yeah, but anyway, but Rabbi Rabbi Miller went up to that ballroom, uh, saw that the men and women were getting ready, and I guess there was an orchestra there. Uh, he went over to the buffet table, and walked over to it, and they said, "Oh, show him, Rabbi, Rabbi." Without saying a word, he went over to the buffet table, put his two hands in the middle of the table, and flipped the table over. Everything spilled all over to the ground. Um, and he said, "This we were not going to have this. And uh, I'm not sure how long he Is that lasted. Is a true story? It definitely sounds like Rabbi Victor Miller, 100%. Um, it was I, a, probably the greatest breaking of a rabbi since the Luchos. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I'm not sure. Look, you know, the, the pieces of the chopped liver that I, Robert... I, I'll be very honest. I never read anything as far as I remember, read, read anything from Rabbi Victor Miller. I heard stories like this and they all, I always found them a little off putting, although entertaining if you're an adolescent. Um, what, what, 
who, who, who was he? I, I don't know anything about it. Okay, well, you know, he has now, first of all, his afterlife, and I've talked about this in many of my other platforms, his afterlife is incredible. Uh, Teresa Vigdor, I don't know if you, uh, if, you, if you look in the other shoals, I'm sure that the Torres Avigdor leaflets have made their way north of the border. Uh, I have a friend. I've seen them. I, I, I've never opened one. Yes. What is he talking? Okay. He was a Talmud so Chacham? He was a very straight shooter. He was incredibly uh, forward uh, to the point of being crass, but very principled. Um, he was uh, in the yeshiva world, somewhat of an anomaly because of his knowledge uh, gained from, not from necessarily uh, going to university, but his knowledge of the uh, natural world um, and really history and uh, Jewish history, he was quite uh, a master of in his own way. Where was, he, where, where was he born? Well, I believe he was born in Europe. I know he learned in Slobodka. Uh, and, oh, we learned uh, Slobodka? Okay. Yes, yes. And part of his, uh, he actually wrote an English safer. Um, where he uses the altar from Slabotka's principles to describe all the places in the Torah that are uh, seem to, as they say in modern parlance, throw shade upon our great uh, patriarchs and heroes of the Torah. Uh, but Rabbi Victor Miller's, you know, he was willing to, and and again to sometimes call a spade a spade, which is of course a term which probably shouldn't even be used. But he was willing to to say things that others would not say. And he said it in a manner that was shocking. And uh, his love for Claudius Stroll was, 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 was incredible. But his scorn for the irreligious, uh, I mean, base, especially you know, his insistence that we see the Holocaust as a punishment for Jewish um, assimilation tendencies and for God's anger against the the people who the masculine and and the people who wanted to uh, create an alien Judaism and he was willing to say that uh, openly and publicly uh, often and now his ideas because um, it, it's interesting that he was on the forefront maybe not him himself but his students of taping much of what he said we know that the Rav also Julie Berman had uh, a tremendous amount of tapes right. of the Rov. And part of those are what Schreiber and others have uh, created you know, the, right. to transcribe them. And that's, it's wonderful that we have that treasure trove. Uh, there's not enough. And they, they should be actually uh, open more to people to be able to hear the actual tapes and to, and, and, and to be able to get the transcriptions easily. Uh, Rabbi Victor Miller was in a similar situation that there's, there, there are thousands and thousands of tapes and his students were, met, were in many ways American balichuva, who were, you know, understood that you carry around a tape recorder uh, to get the Rebbe consistently. So those tapes and what he said on those tapes uh, formed the basis of a lot of the new Rebbe Victor Miller stuff. Unfortunately, as we know, as we talk about Slichus today, not being Slichus as it was then, many of his uh, comments, uh, statements, and criticisms sound extremely ugly to the modern ear and um, probably and <laughs> uh, they should have been yeah, should be Nignas the same way uh, you know we, 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 you know we blanch when we see um, uh, you know old Hollywood movies that seem to 
uh, generate. He was caustic and scornful. Yes, and also prejudicial, and uh, in many ways, totally out of the zeitgeist of uh, you know of, of today. Are we against African Americans? That kind of stuff. There might be some things like that as well. There might be things like that. I want to tell you, I recently um, definitely uh, an incredible person, a classic of of his time. I just think he needs to be uh, it needs to be shifted a little bit before So he was anti cantor or anti priestly. Yeah. So he was anti, I guess. And I guess we could this is where we get back to our subject. He was anti the idea of Salikos being a social event. And right. So I, I listen, that, that's certainly one of the anachronisms of American Orthodox life. Shul's in order to get people into the building to say Salikos, they thought they had to do and they they were probably right. To do some kind of priestly host program and put it on the not just the religious calendar but the social calendar. So, they, but I, what I remember from my from my, from my youth, uh, all these many years ago, is that um, the program would be something Jewish. It just wouldn't be anything religious. Mm-hmm. It would be like, you know, I'll tell you that I, 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 what I did one year uh, because we used to do these things. I mean, years and years ago, uh, it's been a very long time. Is that we used to do uh, a, so I, I tried to make it at least Jewish, which was I'd, I'd have a bunch of kids who had been on that year's March of Living come and talk about their experiences. So it's certainly serious. It's certainly sober. But is it directly to, uh, directed to two words? Fila? No. But it's certainly mood creating in terms of the, uh, uh, you, know, uh, you know, very, very sober uh, atmosphere. But uh uh, it's not, uh, it wasn't, no, it wasn't Divrei Yisraelis or Muslim, no. Yeah, and and of course, you know, in Yeshivas, uh, if you remember in Ner Yisrael, the, they actually did not have Saturday night Salifos, they had Sunday morning Salifos. Right, right. Because, you know, which is... They wanted, to be up, they wanted us to be up on time for Seder, yeah. You're right, yeah, so it, it, it actually, you know, it, it lost a lot of its luster, you know, there's this thing of staying up Saturday night and everybody leaving Shul so late. Uh, but I think the crowning thing, which is sort of what we haven't really even touched at all, is the chazan, right? The cantor. And of course, uh, you know, there's been a little bit of a resurgence of this. Uh, you well, hear, listen, he, here's had... the story. Here's my, I grew up my father, my late father's show, obviously. And uh, we had chazanim in the old days. Some of them went on to illustrious careers and are very well known or were very well known. And my father certainly had a jaundiced view of chazanim. Uh, like all many old old time rabbis did, um, he also saw it as a product of the of an American of a period, a short period, relatively short period of American Jewish life when um, Chazanim were very uh, often the star of shuls in New York. Right, you'd have a picture of uh, you know the advertisements and the sure. forewords of the Agamemnon Journal. For Yontif, and they'd have sure. not the picture of the Rav, but the picture of the Chazan, right? Mm-hmm. You know, the Chazan was uh, allegedly the draw, you know? And my father always interpreted that to me as emblematic of Amaratzis, that the American Jewish life before the war, the Jews who first came over from the old world were overwhelmingly the least learned, and therefore an Amalitz would want a Chazan, you know? And, and that's how he saw it. Obviously, you know, things have changed. Um, but, uh, you know, uh, what people call Balek Fila, I guess, became more popular. When we all went off to Yeshiva, we all came home saying, who needs a chazan? Uh, Balabatim learned how to daven better. They learned real nusach. 
But uh, the idea of a operatic cantor in an orthodox setting is not something you find very often today at all. Maybe at all. Maybe in South Africa you still have it. Yeah, but, but it's not know, common I, at all. The Ger Chassid Chassan Helfgut, you know, has 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 quite a career, and uh, they do it at the Fifth Avenue uh, Synagogue, I think. There are places where... Right, but outside of Manhattan, you don't have it, though. There are, there are people, who are, and, and I actually incredibly uh, you know, grew up with Chazanim. Um, incredibly, I became... I, 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 I couldn't stand them for a while. Um, and then as I got older, I started listening to some of these uh, recordings that some elderly gentleman would, would, would give me. And I realized that the Chazanim, not just Yosela, who was a big Talmud Chacham in his own right, but even people like Sirota and uh, Kosovitsky and even Jan Murray sometimes, uh, they brought a, not just an operatic style, but an understanding, uh, a certain heart and soul into the words uh, that could really move you. Um, Who was the uh, black guy that sang Kazanis? That guy he knew, uh, Harry Belafonte. Yeah, no. no, there was somebody else also, but Johnny uh, Mathis. Johnny Mathis yeah, did yeah. Cole Nidre. Right, right. John, Johnny yeah. Mathis did Cole Nidre. Right. So I mean, that was certainly an innovation we didn't build on uh, we should, as much as we should have. I mean, yeah. Look, you, you know, know, I know. I look. We, if we had African American Kazanim in our shows. People would. I think people would like. Okay, well, look, without 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 descending into uh, the racial <laughs> stereotypes that we that I was talking about from John Ford's film, um, yeah, you know, I, again, there's probably something about uh, the old Negro spiritual that could probably you could probably invest that into in, into any of the uh, the Putin. I guess the point though is is really, are you are you a uh, an audience member? being moved by the beauty of a person's voice and what he's able to do or well, are, are, you, are you are you an intense uh, participant and I, I think those two things are you know I, 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 I sometimes I think it's worthwhile to just sit back and be moved by the power of someone who's can daven in a way that you can't right no, 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 but listen what killed the cantorial profession? What killed it was uh, several, I would say three things. Number one, um, people, the Orthodox kids went off to yeshiva and that wasn't the way they were davening in yeshivas, so that killed it. Number two, financial considerations killed it. The idea of paying a full-time salary to somebody to work an hour and a half a week became just untenable or unacceptable uh, to people. And the third thing was they, you know... um, how do I put this? There were too many instances where young, healthy males who are supposed to be busy all day uh, aren't because they're chazanim and only work on Shabbos. It was it was a source of friction, tension, so not for financial reasons, but like, what are they doing? You know, and and Shul's just didn't couldn't like, what do they do? And they got themselves into trouble at times of fighting with the rabbi, fighting with this, and uh, so it, it killed the profession, and also. There were more. There was more free talent in every show. I mean, right. shows are mostly filled with people who are to, right. right to and, 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 and yet, if you have a good voice, you know how to daven. You know, it's acceptable enough. Right, and and uh, so you're correct in many ways. Not that many people are mourning 
the absence of Chazanis. But I have good friends who I respect who love Chazanis. I, I never got into it, I have to be honest. I never really got into it. Uh, there are times I've heard it where I've liked it, but it's never been my thing. But uh, but there are really intelligent aficionados of the cantorial art. Yeah, look, Yossel Rosenblatt came up with a Tira Bishmol, oh, which yeah. which is one of the most... Even mag- I like that one. Which is even one of the most magnificent pieces. Yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, let's face it. Um, obviously, to emphasize one shtickle where you have a, uh, a chazonisha a flourish over the other is, uh, is right. In other words, we used to do sleep. When I first came to Montreal, we'd have sleepers uh, in shul. It would take an hour and fifteen minutes when it should take fifteen minutes. <laughs> and and l'shmaya l'arin is only so many times you can say it. And he'd do ashrei line by line at the beginning, and you want to kill yourself, you know, halfway through because like. Who has the patience for an hour and a half or an hour and 15 minutes of sleepers? When you can do it in 15 minutes quite nicely with all the command in the world, or maybe 20 minutes. Well, you know, what happens on, you know, if, obviously in a shul uh, that is probably has the talent, as you say, but isn't there something about being scared, Yom Naroyim, to have someone from the community be the Baltvilla because, you know, he's living there the whole year and you never know what might happen. Isn't there something positive about bringing in this hired gun? Because no one, you know, and, and, and nobody could, he's not around during the year where he can make enemies and have people that, uh, you know, that don't want him. And uh, is, can you see that as an advantage? Yeah, I mean, there's a whole stable of Chazanim in Israel. I get emails, as does every rabbi, before, you know, starting in July. I'm a Chazan in Israel. Are you looking for anybody? You know, there's a... And they, I guess it's a star quality. Somebody, you know, an expert is someone from out of town. The old expression, yeah. So yeah, why not? You know, if you know, some people still like it. The problem is they, Chazanim need to understand better who is sit, who is sitting in the shul with them, and 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 you have to be a little more sensitive, and you have to uh, understand what people are looking for. People are not looking to be spectators in shul anymore. They're not. They're looking to be participants in shul, and Chazanis. Of the old style renders everyone a spectator rather than a participant. Don't you find, though, uh, Rabbi, that when some of these young fellows and they they do have pleasant enough voices and perhaps even operatic type voices, and again, it's a gift from God. But what about the you know you know the the putting tunes that they decide to insert into the piyutim? And into the parts of the field that, that the shul wasn't so familiar with. They aren't part of like the Matafrayim speaks about not based on the Ramo, about not changing any of the old Nigunim and being very Makbid, whatever those Nigunim are. Um, and yet a lot of times when these young people come, you know, they they bring some of the the more popular uh you're asking the wrong guy. I don't go to Shul to hear anything new. I go to Hoshul to hear everything old. I don't want to hear anything new. But but you know that there's a tendency to do the new. There's a tendency. I don't want to learn anything new. I don't want to be taught a new tune. I want to go to show and hear exactly what I heard when I was 10, 20, and 30 years old. Okay, I have no interest in anything new. I will tolerate a new tune to L'Chadaymi. That's it. You know, and it has to be a tune I'm familiar with from a different context. But, uh, you know, but... uh, Every time there's a niggin by written by somebody, I don't know these guys that sing. He's a Jewish guy, and so somebody ends up using it for lachadaydi. But uh, you know, so I, I've learned to tolerate new lachadaydis. But I, I don't want to hear a new nisanatayken. I have no interest in a new nisanatayken. Yeah. 
I want to hear Miyachim Miyamas the same way my Zaydi did. Yeah, there's, you know, I think also uh, Karlbach, of course, uh, was not part of the standard Nagunim when we were growing up. Right. I think Karlbach Nagunim have entered into uh, the oeuvre the of. Absolutely. Uh, of, and, yeah, for many things. I, 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 yeah. And, and the old timers would probably say, where's that coming from? You know, right. because because, you know, Karlbach Nagunim, you know, they say about Karlbach um, that he could have written much more sophisticated pieces, but he realized that he had an audience that wanted to hear tunes that were easy to pick up. He was remarkably talented. Now, honestly, his essay and I, the crack out nigga. I mean, there's so many beautiful things he did. So many beautiful things. And, uh, you know, it, it, he certainly transformed Jewish song. He was really, really, really remarkable. I mean, uh, you don't have anyone like that, I don't think. Uh, I, 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 you know, you know I, I had, when I was, a, you know, again, I, I was about to fill in a, for a number of years. And on the second day of Rosh Hashanah, um, I used a lot of Karlbach, where I could, you know, uh, Hashem Melech, Hashem Molech, um, and... Um, Anim Kipper as well, but especially the second day of Rosh Hashanah, because the piyutim, the basic tzura of the uh, Ashkenazi Machser was written, I believe, by Rav Shlema, I think is Rav Shimon, I'm sorry, a Rav Shimon whose child had gone off the derech, who had become a Mishumid. And if you look at some of the acrostics, you can see that he is trying to be to be Mali, his child, with the schus of his beautiful uh, compositions. And I always thought that, you know, we talk about Karlbach, you know, we've talked about Victor Miller. Karlbach was definitely a, uh, a figure that for many people um, was polarizing, especially when people knew about uh, his Shita and Kirov. Um, stories have come out uh, since his death of the way he treated women and the way he might have taken advantage of women. Um, there's too many stories to discount them, I think. My point is, though, and again, it's not a... It's not, no, there, I'm, there were some left-wing Orthodox schools that wanted to ban Karabakh because of the accusations you referenced. Yes, there were. Right. So I always thought that this was a way to, to be... The same way the author of Shimon wrote the, his... Uh, his poetic uh, composition to be a tikkun for his soul, of his son's soul, I thought using Karlbach Nagunim was very appropriate because despite Karlbach's missteps and I'm, you know, and, and, and the way he took advantage where, and I heard him say, by the way, that he, it, by him, he doesn't feel anything for them. I heard him say that on the tape a number of times where, when he was talking privately also, uh, you know, with, with, with people that you're very close with. Uh, and, and he said to me, he said, I heard him say it and I heard it on tape. He says, it doesn't mean anything to him. It really, you know, it, it, that even when he engages in, you know, touching, it doesn't mean Park anything. Island. Right. That's what he would say. Listen, I, I, don't, I don't, listen, I, I don't, you know, it's not my business around judging other people, but listen, he, he wonderful music. I'll tell you, but I want to tell you, remind me of very, very, Funny story. Somebody you and I both know told me a joke from Eastern Europe about a chazan that I shared with my father. And the joke was very old. And, and, and there was there was a there was a chazan who made Parnassus once a year. 
from being a Baltfiller Roshani Yom Kippur. Anyway, he comes in the middle of, uh, uh, of you know, of, uh, uh, of the end of Sivan or Tamas, and he has no Parnassah, and he has no money. So he figures, what's he going to do? He goes to a, not a shtetl, but a dorf of a dorf. He comes and tells them, you know, the Bezdin and Varsha determined that next week is Roshani. <laughs> and uh, you, and you, you're very lucky. I'm about to feel like a Dom Roshani. If you pay me, I could be your... So listen, they, they, they're very uh, naive. Uh, they accept it. And they all get together in Shul. He davens two days Rosh Hashanah in the middle of the summer. And then comes Yom Kippur. He davens Kol Nidra. Everything's wonderful. He's davening Shachris on Yom Kippur. And out of the corner of the eye, he sees a Jew from Warsaw come into the Shul, and he realizes the jig is up. It's over. His cover will be blown. So he starts to daven like this. Basi li'ir shekulam chamayrim amarti lohem so I'll translate, I guess. Uh, I came to a city, they're all not too bright, and I told them today's Yom Kippur, which rhymes in the Hebrew, we'll split it 50-50, right? That's what he's saying is in the Nusach of, of Shachar's of Yom Kippur. So I heard the joke in New York and Brooklyn and in the Yeshiva where, where you and I, are very familiar, you know, uh, anyway, uh, a certain, you know, uh, Rashi was told me the story, President Rashi, and uh, I went home and tell my father the joke. And he, I remember my father sitting there, chill, like, just sitting in the chair, and I started to tell the joke, and I start singing. Bossy Lear, my father drops me. He starts singing. <laughs> he, he had heard the joke like a hundred years earlier. Yes, but, yes. Uh, Here, here's but, a little, uh, here's a little, uh, ditty, uh, not a ditty, but a little point that um, yeah, I always, thought was brilliant um you know yosela i mentioned him before you know uh was a very accomplished person in, in learning uh and when he would advertise uh before i guess you know he for for his services uh it, it, it was clear that he charged more than some of the other chazanim of his time so you know, the shul interviewed him, and I guess the president said to him, the shul, that, look, you know, we really like you, but we just want to know, you know, you're an Erev Chayid. He says, why do you charge more? You know, the, this chasen says this much, it seems to be more. So he said, look, um, you know, I'm charging for the shtilish minister. Right, right, right. I remember that one. Right, I also thought the stillest one. Yeah, that was in other great... words, the, right? The uh, the other Chazadim don't even, you know, they just they're just singers. Uh, they're they're and mitzvahs. You pay more for for a chazan who's a yorei Hashem. Um, so let me ask you. Uh, we talked about Chazadim and, and, and priestly Uh Do you feel like as you have your audience that you 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 want to start with a some musar before slichos begins? Um, I, I speak that the morning of, in other words, this Shabbos, I'll say something in the morning about it. I think when people get into the cars and come to Shul at midnight, they have already demonstrated uh, a commitment to the uh, process. And, uh, and I don't think they need me to get up at midnight and start talking to them. I will have done it, you know, before Myrav earlier on Shabbos, I will have done it in the morning probably, but I won't do it right before sleep. No. Mm-hmm. So it's a um, it's a moment to get this week done. And listen, any Jew walks into shul and hears the the nusach, the first chatzik kaddish, mm-hmm. and the nigan of yomim Narayim. Right. 
if that doesn't get you, nothing I say will. Yeah, yeah. What else do you have to hear? Uh, and, and do you have do you do you give a little bit of a of a push at least that it shouldn't just be the Saturday night slichas that they should try to come during the week also? Yeah, we yeah. I mean, listen, listen. After doing this for a long time, you know, you realize after a while that uh, you know, not, you know, it's hard to affect change. But uh, certainly, there uh, we, we encourage. You know, we you know we uh, uh, this year is a lot of slichas. Um, we live in a community with a lot of Spartans, so we're busy taunting them because they already started three weeks ago mm. or two weeks ago now. And um, they have to say slichas all month. Uh, Chabad doesn't say slichas on Sarasimichuva, right? Right. The, the, or I, I know they have a very limited amount of slichas. And, yeah, they really and, and, and their emotional investment in it is, I think, is, is somewhat limited as well. Is that I because mean, they know it's a lost cause? I'm not sure why, why that is. Yeah, well, Hirsch himself, you know, wrote in the um, in the uh, in the Sefer Chorev how because the amount of there's no we talked about this I think when we when we talked about Tishabov as well the amount of familiarity is so is is so diminished uh, people don't really know what uh, they're saying yeah. know what they're saying and um, and because of that you know you, you have to work on a different area it, it's hard to uh, you know to push. Uh, you know, responsive, uh, you know, chanting, I think today for sure. So there's a lack, there's an ignorance about what the Slichos mean, although Art Scroll and other uh, Slichos uh, uh, translations are there. I think, I think it's hard for people to be, uh, to, to, to say in response as well. Let me ask you another question. Do you have, you know, I, I, I davened recently in a, a shtibel that opened up uh, right near uh, us here in Elizabeth. Uh, Chassidim have, have discovered that there is real estate available for them in New Jersey, and they're they're actually uh, like Jersey City, but I think even better, uh, they are displaying such great solid citizenship and building and helping the property values go up. But anyway, I went into one of the to, to the Stiebel and I saw a big sign saying, "Do not take out your cell phone uh, here. In fact, don't even bring your cell phone into this building." That's what it said. Um, don't bring this. Um, how, how let me ask you in your show, especially you know people in the morning um and, and so many people use their cell phones really as as their sitter today right no I, we have young guys who absolutely are, are looking at their cell phone during first one right i i don't like the idea because who knows what notifications are on and what other things are going on but uh, no I, I don't i don't mean to imply that anybody has a nefarious intent intent or anything but uh yeah listen i remember what ironically there would be more cell phone accidental ringing 15 years ago than there is today people so it's, that seems to have you know that phenomenon of you know you're diving in the morning and a cell phone goes off i, I don't have that people seem to know how to put yeah I mean, on I, I mean there was a time like 15 years ago every funeral i did a phone two two or three phones would go off that doesn't happen anymore people are better at turning it off uh or, or it's easier to do on the phones i don't know but uh uh, you know, 15 years ago, you have a lot more ringing going on. I had a mice once in my show. This is very funny, actually. I had a bar mitzvah. It was, I, I don't know how we ended up with this bar mitzvah. Very non-religious people. And I'm davening the Shilas Renesha of Shachris. I take three steps back. One of my balabatim comes running over to me and says, there's a woman taking pictures with her cell phone. Which is the only time it's ever happened to me in all the, in all the years. And I was very angry. I wasn't angry that she was taking pictures. Obviously, she's a moron. Um, and uh, in a in a anyway in a, anyway, 
uh, I was angry at my Balabatim for making me deal with it rather than dealing with it, right? They should have just thrown the Chalaria out. I don't have to, you know, I, I don't have to deal with this. Anyway, so I was angry, actually, which I don't usually get angry at all. And, uh, and I, was, I was angry. So I walk over calmly to where she's standing, uh, you know, and I, I, I pick my head up over the Mechitz and I say, excuse me, please leave. That's all I said. And she left. All right. Now, I wasn't clear enough. I should have said, please leave, but feel free to come back without your phone. I just said, please leave. Anyway, so she left. I, I only meant get the heck out of here with the phone. But anyway, she took it, you know, as, as maybe most people would have, which meant you're thrown out of show. And I was also angry that the rest of her family, who knew better, didn't tell her to stop. In other words, all right, you're a moron, but where's every, you're like, and also there's chutzpah involved. I mean, you wouldn't go to a church, look around, and see that no one else is doing that, and you do it. In a church, they would have had more Derek Harris, right? But anyway. So I get angry. So I say to her, as I said, throw her out. And, or I, I didn't mean to throw her out, but I did. And uh, and after davening, the uh, father of the bar mitzvah boy comes over to me and says, you know, we, we you threw out my, my sister-in-law. She was the aunt of the bar mitzvah. You threw my sister-in-law out of show. He said, slightly miffed. So I said, I'll tell you the truth. It's a service we provide free of charge. Uh, if you ever want me to come to your house when she's over, I'll come. We have to come over <laughs> around for you. And he cracked up. He was just not. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> so, well, that, great recovery about the yeah. music. So, the, where, so yeah. I, I go to the kiddush. I, I leave uh, I, I leave the shul. I'm walking out. And I see the hilarious with the phone outside my shul ranting what a terrible person I am. All right. So I, I walk home. At the corner, those days where I lived, the corner, there was a gas station, like uh, two blocks from the show, there's a gas station. She she pulls up in the car in front of me. She starts chasing me down. Her car pulls up in front of me. Her, the door flings open. She comes out of the car, ready to yell at me, and I go, don't worry, it's okay, you don't have to apologize. <laughs> she was so flustered by this that she got the car and drove off. <laughs> yeah, <I know. laughs> wow, wow, what, what a way to handle it! Look, I, I don't think I don't think John Wayne could have handled it any better than that. Talk about talk about diffusing the. Uh, um, it's okay. You don't have to apologize. <laughs> yeah, but yeah. I've never had. But I don't really. I mean, the cell phone situation is much better today than he. Right, it's interesting, right? Yeah, we, you know, yeah. I always think about, um, you know, Larry Fishburne, um, who is, of course, uh, uh, I think most people know him from, um, from that, you know, from the Matrix. But uh, of course, Larry Fishburne has had Lawrence Fishburne has had a very uh, illustrious career, uh, and he played uh, Othello in uh, Shakespeare. And, you know, a cell phone went off and he stopped the play. He went, you know, over and he, you know, and he basically, you know, told the woman using an expletive to put that thing away, uh, breaking character yeah. in front of thousands of, of, of people that were in the audience. Um, so I, I think you're right. There, there still probably uh, needs to be a little bit of discipline involved. But I, I think I guess we've learned um, how to manage our, our this incredible technology in a way that people aren't aren't aware but yeah still i i am sure that the uh you know the chance in, in some ways i guess to and i actually have seen people videoing uh slichos because you know they it has a, a certain power and people do want to there's this guy in new york it. i don't know why the name green pops to mind but 
a Karabakh kind of Slichos, very, uh, a lot of singing and dancing during the Slichos. There's a guy in Manhattan who does this, which I thought, I, 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 somebody forced me to watch the video once, and actually it's quite good. Yeah, look, anytime you can really get people emotionally connected and caring about, you know, Rosh Hashanah or Yom Adin, I think it's a very important thing. Speaking about, uh, you know, you know the, you know the Yom Adin, and we talk about, we'll try to have our last podcast of the year next time. Take care, Rabbi. Be well. Thanks for joining us for another episode from the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast app so you don't miss a single episode. Thank you.